and welcome to Back For More, the podcast where we discuss, debate and speculate a bunch of stories from the footballing world. Now, today, not only am I joined by Will Hodgetts, but I'm also joined by an extra special guest judge. He's had a lot of mentions already on the pod and it's the massive Blades fan, Alex Goff. Alex, how are you doing? Hiya. Yeah, good. Thanks, Ben. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Um, good. I'm not too bad. I'm looking forward to the new season. Obviously, we've only got a couple of weeks to go, um, but... Before we move on, we've obviously got to look back to last season. Um, so, Will, start us off with Norwich, the report card. What have you gone for? Uh, it's a tough one because Norwich were never going to stay up. So, I mean, it's when you look at their squad and think we, we've, we've mentioned it a couple of times, they maybe have three, maybe four at a push Premier League players in their entire squad. Um, so it was always going to be a struggle for them. They did finish, you know, rock bottom, 13 points adrift of 19th, let alone of uh, staying up. Um, so I've given them an E plus. Okay. And the reason I've given them a plus is because they beat City. Okay. <laughs> and that's that's the only reason they get a plus. I mean, they finished rock bottom. They were atrocious. Uh, let in 75 goals and yeah feel a bit sorry for them uh but yeah e plus that's probably the best you can do for a team that's rock bottom and that bad i i was i was a bit um unsure about norwich because they didn't they didn't even seem to try um or at least from the from the club from the club management point of view they seemed to just accept during the during the transfer period that they that they weren't going to stay up and that they were going to keep the money, you know, try and try and sort their finances out so that they can survive another season in the championship. Like you, you say, you say they arrived in the Premier League with four, you know, four maybe four Premier League players, but they didn't put too much effort in to to improve that situation. For for me, I've I've put F. I don't even know you can you can get F. Honestly, I I think I think they've they. It was just the attitude from the beginning, not necessarily not not necessarily from the from the players at the start, but from from the from the club as a whole. It seemed to me like they they just decided, you know what, we'll have another go next time around, and, and see what the circumstances are. I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but it's pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've given them an F as well. Um, I think. I can see, I can understand Will's sentiments regarding an E plus, or or at least finding some silver yeah. lining in their season. Obviously, they did beat City. Fair enough. Pookie got off to a lovely start. Gave us the 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 Pookie party at the beginning. But at the end of the day, they were just too young as a squad for me. You know, you look at players like Max Aaron's probably going to turn into a good Premier League talent one day. Um, Jamal Lewis um, looks like he's going to be a good player at left back as well. Ben Godfrey turning into a bit of a, a leader at the back, but. When you when you take their whole team, they're very much one of those yo-yo clubs that ends up having similar players that they had in the season that didn't work out a couple of years before, like your Alexander Tetties and, and those sorts of players. And really, after a decent-ish, by comparison to the rest of their season, couple first couple of months, they were woeful for the rest of it. And as you say, Alex, they just kind of gave up, didn't they? And you know, it wasn't that yeah, good. I was surprised because they were they were fantastic in the championship this season beforehand. Like obviously being a Sheffield United fan, um, I followed them quite you know quite intently because they were direct rivals with us and they were just they were brilliant and they tore they tore opposing teams apart. But I suppose that was the that was the thing was that they were never going to be always on the front foot. Their their philosophy in the championship was score more than the others, score more than their opponents, and they were just never going to keep never going to keep the ball out of the net. Uh, their own net, that is. <laughs> yeah, no, so true. Yeah. Will play player for them if you can pick one. Well, just just quickly, I'm gonna change my score because I didn't realise we were going down to an F. <laughs> so I, I was basically I was basing it on A to E's. So I'm gonna do an E minus instead. Okay. Simply because they beat City. Because uh, me and Alex were listening to that game on the way back from Bramall Lane after um, <laughs> Southampton smashed the Blades 1-0. Limped, limped, um, limped to 1-0, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. All right. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change mine to E-, e- just because, yeah, I wasn't aware we were doing Fs. Because considering we gave Bournemouth an E... Um, yeah, but there were a lot. There were, Bournemouth were a lot more competitive. And I, I, did, I did obviously listen back to the to previous scorings. I, I just... I think Norwich didn't even show up to the competition. Yeah, 
Fair enough. Mm. I'm with you, Alex, to be fair. I'm with you. Right. So in that case, player of the season, it's really tough because like three months into the season, you're saying Pookie and then he fell off a cliff and died a horrible <laughs> death and never to be seen ever again. Um, and then there's you can say a similar thing about a, f- a couple of the other players and uh, it, it's tough. I, I'm, I, the only name that I could even try and yank out of my ass was Todd Cantwell just okay. because I felt that he was more consistent over 38 game period than any of the other players and that's by no means to say that he was great like we were talking about Jack Grealish being you know a a, a really good player in a really bad team Todd Cameron was the best of a bad bunch I felt on a consistency basis over the season Um, but I'll be honest there is no way that I'm gonna hang my hat on Todd Cantwell being their player of the year. I'm happy to put this one out there. Yeah, I I, I thought I thought similarly to you, I thought about Puki obviously is the name that comes to your mind when you think of Norwich. Um certainly after last season at the start of the season. Um but and I thought about Cantwell as well. But for me for me Cantwell when when it wasn't going certainly towards the end of the season when it wasn't going well for, for Norwich, he still stood out on the pitch. Um, but you could see he was really frustrated. He felt like he was. He felt like he was better than better than the club. He, he felt like he didn't belong. He didn't belong there. Um, and I wasn't. I wasn't sure about that. But I, I think. I think it's still. Uh, yeah. I. I think it's. I still end up falling into Cantwell. But you think about Bendia, Aaron's, like you said. And there's a few. There's a few bright sparks in there, but nobody. Nobody really. There was no. There was no kind of hero who was going to lead. Norwich out of the relegation zone at the end of the season. It was there was nothing like that. It just kind of it just kind of went out with a whimper. That was. I think you're right there. Like most of the team just decided to give up. Like include and the only person that didn't seem to give up was the manager. He, like certainly with regards to the way he presented himself. You know, I actually thought very highly of him throughout the whole season, but his players just didn't back him up. And like you say, you hit the nail on the head there, Alex. In that. Usually in a in a relegation battling team, there is one player that takes it by the scruff of the neck and tries to pull everyone up. There just wasn't anybody in that Norwich squad that did that, and that was a, that was adamant in the last few games of the season when Pookie and Campwell, you know, were benched and they just sat there giggling to themselves. I even saw a couple of times, like yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. So that's a really good point. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to go with Campwell. I think that's the name I've got written down. Not as you say, Will, because he was particularly better than everyone else, but. I think I'm a big fan of poetic irony and I think the fact that you know Norwich were the boys of the Premier League this season, it's quite nice to have a player that looks like he does belong in a boy band. I think that's quite nice to have as, the, <laughs> as, their, um, as their player of the season. So I'm happy, I'm happy to, to have the wavy locks of, of Todd Cantwell on our, um, on our graphic at the end of the, uh, end of the pod. And, and yeah, I think let's diplomatically choose Toddy, Todd Cantwell. I think Alex, you have to start this next one off. Sheffield United. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's an unbelie- It's been an un- unbelievable season for a Sheffield United fan. Uh, you know, um, people will be sick of hearing it by now, but you know, I was, you know, I was going 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 to games in League One. You know, playing the likes of Rochdale and Crew Alexandra, and you know, bottom of, bottom of League One at the start of uh, Wilder's first season after four games. And uh, it was just, it was bleak, but, you know, to, to have come to the Premier League in, in just three seasons and then, and then to stay in, the seat, stay in the Premier League in the manner that we have, just phenomenal. It was, you know, being, being at the state, you know, being at Bramall Lane was just amazing. I mean, I, uh, I took Will for the game against Saints and it was just, you know, every single game I went to, I went against Arsenal. I saw the game against Man U that we drew three all. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so a lot of a lot of big performances from a lot of players for us. But the 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 thing that gels it all together, I have to be really honest, is 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 Chris Wilder. And when it comes to you know when it comes to assessing our our performance in the Premier League, it all revolves around him. He's he's created a a a mindset, a, a mentality, a um, culture within the club and when he recruits players he looks for people who will fit into that culture people who you know when it gets hard will will push harder rather than rather than backing off uh, and and you can see that in all, all his signings and and for that reason because he's tried to recruit within that over the summer last year he tried to recruit within that area 
they were able to push on and, and continue to 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 exhibit their kind of their unusual and you know unusual style of football and it managed to it managed to get the better of, of, of enough teams to keep us in the top half of the Premier League which I can't believe I'm saying I mean yeah on that note obviously it's it's been so inspiring seeing such a different system played something probably you know if you t- told me eight years ago there was a team that's going to come up from the championship and play an overlapping centre-back system and stay up I wouldn't, wouldn't have believed you is there a part of you that's worried that maybe some other Premier League teams and managers will have kind of worked you out by this season? Or do you still think the system's got the longevity to keep you up? I, I definitely I definitely was worried that people would work us out towards the end of the season. And you did see after lockdown that it had an effect. I think people are starting to realise that we're... Basically, we work by overloading the wings with, with an additional man on each side. Uh, and then the, the cover from cover from defence comes from the deep-line deep central midfield player. Um and so what you what you've seen what you see teams what you saw teams doing towards the end of the season was was packing out the wings because we work on crosses and, and getting somebody in in the box to, to, to poke it into the net basically. Um, so yes, I am I am concerned by that, but not as concerned as I am about losing the actual individual players who make that system work. Um, you think about Chris Chris Basham and, and Jack O'Connell, they are just they're the they're the fittest two players in our team, and they are um, they are the absolute lifeblood of that system. And if they, you know, you saw it with Jack O'Connell being injured. There's yeah. just no, there's no one in our squad that can replace them, and there's no one that could replace them that we can just pluck out of thin air or buy off, buy off the transfer market. It's a very specific thing that they do. Um, so yes, is is the short answer to your question? Yeah, I, I am concerned that that we'll get found out, but I've got enormous faith in in Chris Wilder and Alan Nil. In terms of working out how to tw- tweak the system in order to in order to get around whatever whatever defenses get put up against us. Cool. Yeah. What grade have you put them on then? I wasn't sure. I, I, I've I've gone for B plus. That's harsh. Harsh yeah. for a Blades fan. Which, I know. Which <laughs> which is harsh, right? I think we had a phenom- we had a phenomenal season. I've gone for B plus because. Um, Maybe I'm maybe I'm expecting too much for a, a team a team just promoted and just out of League One as well. Um, should have won the league, mate. Should, should have won, won the league. league. No, um, I just in terms of attacking threat, I thought I thought we we definitely lack attacking threat. We were defensively extremely solid, um, but I think the towards the end towards the end of the season, um, we started to look tired and a bit a bit brittle, a bit. You know, easy to break down, and I, I'm, I was, a, I'm, I'm, I am concerned about this next season if we don't make any more signings. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've gone for B plus, but I, I think I could be tempted to go go up to an A minus, um, just because, yeah, what, what, what a phenomenal season, what an unbelievable, what an unbelievable team, what an unbelievable system. Um, yeah, you guys will probably completely disagree with me. No, I mean, I'll quickly jump in. I won't, won't speak for too long, but I think. It probably is testament to the fact that you... I've obviously gone kinder, but I think you probably expected Sheffield United to be better than I expected them to be, maybe. Well, yeah. and, and that's why you're giving them a lower score. For me, I thought Sheffield United would were very likely to go down at the start of the season. And the fact that they you know, changed the game in many respects and, and played with such confidence and ended up in the top half of the table comfortably by the end, I've given them an A. So that's what I've okay. done. Um, but Will, what have you, what have you put? Yeah, I've given them the exact same. I've given them an A, and I think it's a case of when we've done the previous couple of um, of episodes with these with these grades, I've I've very much uh, declared that my scores have been based on th- a thirty eight game season, not kind of a uh, specific area. And I think yes, before at going as as lockdown happened, it looked like Sheffield United were well on their way to European football next year. You know that it was it was all it looked almost nailed on. They were so in form, um, and lockdown. They were the one team that probably lockdown came at the wrong time. You could argue that for Liverpool, but that's only because it was getting it was only prolonging the inevitable. Um, they've been they've been great, and I said this when we when we were talking about Villa in that your sole aim when you come up from the Premier League in your first season is to stay up. Anything better than seventeenth is a huge bonus in your first year in the Premier League. And the fact that they finished ninth, and the fact that if they'd had a marginally better post-lockdown period, 
they'd have been playing European football is absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I even toyed giving them an eight plus because they're a promoted team that finished ninth. I think the only the, the the only thing stopping me from doing that was that last ten game period where they lost more games than they gained points in. Um, I think yeah, your B plus Alex was very harsh. <laughs> so, fair, fair enough. Look, uh, just just to say, it's just when you know when when we came up. Obviously, over the course of the season, the goal is to stay up. But for me, it was to compete in every game we played in. It's it was to not just roll over and get beat by every every top ten team. Um, and we did that consistently, apart from uh, two games against Liverpool and City over the January period. We did that consistently all the way up to lockdown. And like you said, it's a thirty-eight game season. In the second, uh, you know, following lockdown, there were you know a couple of games where we played our socks off. We beat Wolves, we beat Chelsea, um, beat Spurs in, after lockdown. But there were a couple of other games where we just didn't show up. Newcastle away and home and away, it just didn't. We just didn't play. Um, and so yeah, I am I am being very harsh, but I, I'd like to see us compete in every in in, in every game and sh- and show up to every game. They've also got um, my favourite song in the whole of world football. Yeah, Greasy Chip Party song, which I never knew about until I went to <laughs> Bramall Lane, which is ridiculous. But it's my favourite song in world football. Yeah, the Greasy Chip Party song, absolutely incredible. Always Hearing good. however many thousand people it is singing that at the start of a game yeah. was uh, was very enjoyable. Right, boys. So. Um, Quickly, player player from Sheffield United who's player of the season. Uh, no more than no more than a sentence as an explanation. I've well, got an idea for this. Which let's just let Alex give it. I don't. Okay. I don't I'm not going to put a name yeah. forward. We'll let the we'll let the Blades fan decide their I love player it. of the year. Uh, okay. Uh, so so for me, this person actually this person actually won player of the season and uh, players player of the season at, at, uh, for the Blades this season. It was Chris Basham. Uh, right, right hand side of defence. He absolutely epitomises the the work rate and the uh, and the system. He's a league. He we bought him when we were in League One uh, as a midfielder, and he is now a, a centre back in the Premier League team that got the fourth best defensive record in the last Premier League season. Um, what a phenomenal effort! And he is just. You know, if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't uh, Billy Sharp, then uh, Chris Basham would be Mr. Sheffield United. He's fantastic, incredible. Um, so we've we've obviously spoken a lot, but then Sheffield United also um, is is a team that's that's close to your heart, Alex. So um, I'll let you off for that one. But um, yeah. it's fine because we've got we've got rubbish teams now anyway. Aren't we? So, uh... <laughs> Teams, teams, we, teams we don't want to talk about next one. Yeah, no, teams we don't want to talk about. No, I'm kidding. Um, so go on, Will. You can start us off. Southampton, give us your sentiments. Well, you know, they got the double over Sheffield United this year. Not many teams were able to do that. They uh, smashed their local rivals. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in unfortunately, not in the Premier in the League. Cup. But I know we're not talking about the cup. But hey, I had to mention it, didn't I? Had to mention it. Um, Look, I think I can speak for every Southampton fan and I can speak for every supporter of football when after that 9-0 drubbing at home to Leicester City, the thought was, well, always did enjoy the championship. (laughs) Well, I remember, (laughs) you know, I remember you, not you specifically, but your fan base calling out on Hassan Hootel and everything. And now, you know, you're all having wet dreams about him. So, um... Well, I don't know, actually, I think... it's. I think the certainly. I don't no. I've definitely had wet dreams about him. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I actually think that he has been our, the first manager that actually the vast majority of the fan base did want to stick by him, which was bizarre. I think all the pundits were just assuming that the following morning he was going to get sacked. Um, yeah. And especially considering that actually we also lost three of our next four games after that match as well admittedly they were against um the top six if i remember rightly but since that 9-0 drubbing southampton won more points in the rest of the league than leicester did Mm, you know and that just goes to show that the work that that ralph has done with that team and with that squad post that 9-0 drubbing um it gets to a point now where everything it got to the point where every single week when we would win a game that game that 9-0 win that 9-0 loss sorry would get brought up just because people can't believe that this is the same team. Because let's not forget, the only person we brought in in January was Carl Walker-Peters, and it took a while for him to start playing. Um, it took a while for him to really get into the system as well. So we were effectively playing the same 11 guys that were 
that played in that in in that uh, in that game and to finish eleventh, you know, and to finish closer to European football than to relegation, considering where the 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 team was at that point of the season before Christmas is nothing short of phenomenal. And um, you know, especially from a neutral standpoint. I think probably Alex would be better to answer to to confirm these thoughts. I'm level headed. Um, I can. I can... <laughs> <laughs> from a neutral standpoint, that kind of that storyline of being second from bottom, not looking like there is any way out, to then beating some of the top teams in the country convincingly as well, um, and including you know beating Man uh, Man City at home one nil, which you know to stop City from scoring if you're not Liverpool is very hard to do. Um, I was just very, very happy with how the season finished and I am very much looking forward to next season uh, as a result of it. I think, yeah, um, I think that's, I think that's the thing, Will. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm hoping the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, you know, heading, heading, heading into seasons, I'm, I'm obviously really hoping that, that Southampton slip up and, but I, I'm looking at it now and, I think you can have an incredible season and and really you've gone from strength to strength. I I don't think you're quite in the same bracket as as Wolves and Leicester, but I think you're pretty much you're pretty much there in terms of you know, I think I w- I'd be surprised if you didn't finish in the top half next year. Um which is I've always been happy with that kind of best of the rest title, yeah. which is what we were under Pochettino and Coman. Um was a case of, you know, we were finishing seventh or eighth yeah because yeah we're never going to be able to compete with the traditional top six in terms of spending or anything like that so yeah i, I agree in terms of finishing around eighth ninth yeah eighth or ninth next season would yeah. be it would be amazing yeah and and I, I won't talk for too long um but you've got to you've got to look at the talisman danny ings as surely as the player of the year i mean he's been absolutely incredible no um, in, in his in his goal scoring, um, and I put them. Uh, you might think this is slightly harsh. Well, I've tried not to be um, clouded uh, by <laughs> by bias, but I've put you on a B because actually I'm look. I'm actually looking at that that team now, and as you say, you know, you like to judge it across the entirety of the season, and I think actually eleventh, based on the poor start, is good, but based on what we know that team can actually achieve. Is slightly underperforming, so I've just kind of gone with a smack down the little B. Yeah, uh, that's that's the same for me, and, and I think bear in mind, I've, I think I've gone a little bit harsher than all of you, by both of you, by by a grade or so each time. Yeah, I put B minus for for Saints. Uh, I think uh, like I, I agree with everything you said, Will. I think uh, there's a lot of promise. I think you do rely on onings a lot, uh, and you will need to find a uh, a some somewhere. You, you'll need to find goals from somewhere else. Whenever he's not firing, or uh, when he's injured, or something like that, it's a bit uh, vulnerable from that that point of view. But yeah, there's 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 lots to be there's lots to be excited about excited about as a Saints fan. But yeah, B B minus Southampton uh, Southampton are better than eleventh. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. I gave them a B plus. I think because of that that start, obviously, um, and then seeing where they finished. But also, let's not forget this is a team that have been scraping past relegation the past two seasons. It's been a long time since those eighth, uh, seventh, eighth finishes, you know. And it's not this. It's not the True. same team at all. You think every single year Southampton lose their best player um, without fail, um, and they have to try and replace. And it got to a point where they just weren't able to replace effectively. Uh, so it got to a point where, look, it, walking into a season, you expect a relegation scrap. So to finish 11th, I think, was just slightly better than perhaps expected, which is why I just gave the plus, but by no means was it going to be anywhere near an A. Because like you say, historically, there's no reason why Southampton can't be finishing easily in the top half. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Tottenham, I think this is going to be an interesting one in terms of grade. Alex, we'll start with you this time. Um, what have you gone for? I've gone for C+. plus. Uh, and C plus because uh, uh, C plus because of the the end of the season, they really uh, they really saved the season right at the end there. Um, perform perform very well in the second half, but they they didn't they weren't there at the start uh, certainly the start of the season. They were they were almost a joke, weren't they? Um, I'm not sure about Mourinho's methods. Um, I don't <laughs> diplomatically I, put. 
I don't. I, I don't think he's good for clubs. Uh, I don't think he's good for the, the, the long term future of, of football clubs. And 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 to have gone from Mauricio Pochettino to Jose Mourinho is just absolutely. You know, for me, that's you know polar opposite managers, uh, polar opposite styles. Um, but you know, he could he could make it work for them. I I, I don't know. Um, he's. I find Mourinho to be so unpredictable. He's either a world beater or he's, you know, down down in the dumps and and and, and nobody will play for him. So yeah, I've, I've gone for C plus. But I'm interested to to know what you guys what you guys thought. Will, uh, I gave them a C because okay. I think look, this is a t- this is a team that have been comfortably p- playing or achieving Champions League spots for the last few seasons now, um, and they had one small slip up at the start of the season and they get rid of Pochettino, which is just outrageous. The guy got them to a Champions League final last year, you know, to 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 give up on a manager that quickly who has done wonders for your club mm-hmm. was nothing short of outrageous. And to bring in someone who is past his best, I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, and certainly to Alex's point, he's certainly his track record isn't great in terms of how he leaves clubs. It just depends on how long it takes for him to get bored. It's just kind of, I think, what, what happens with Mourinho. And like you say, the, the, the styles of the two managers are polar opposites and it does not play into the strength of the team, which is um, Son on one side, Kane down the middle, Ali sitting behind and then someone playing on the other <laughs> side, effectively. Um, you know, it, it doesn't play into that whatsoever. I think... But to be fair to Mourinho, to an extent, he did seem to adapt his style and his approach after the lockdown. Yeah. And that's why you see saw results going Absolutely. the right way. You know, he did, yeah, he started to see a more, you started to see a more attacking style in Tottenham, which was good to see because that's when Tottenham are their best. You know, they're at their best when they are going all gun yeah, they're attack. They're... they're not a team that can park the bus because they don't have the strength in the back line to be able to do that. You know, Lloris is past his best in between the sticks as well. You've got the vast majority of their back line is past their best. They can't be a team that does that and then, then you know, counters on the break. You'd think on paper with the players like Son that you would be able to and Mora. Um, but yeah, it it really wasn't great. And it, look, to finish sixth is not what Tottenham fans have come to expect. It's not what their uh, stadium that they've just built should be expecting. Um, but I would say that the blame of the performance of the season is at Daniel Levy's door. I don't think it's you can blame Mourinho I don't think you can blame any single player in the, on an individual basis um, yeah I just think a, a very very underwhelming performance but they managed to scrape Europe from the barrel so that's why I managed to give them a C otherwise it would have been down towards the D's and the E's probably yeah fair well I've actually gone harsher on both of you I've gone for C minus um, I do appreciate that they made the Europa League spot at the end um, but it is a season to forget for them, 100%. As Will rightly put, I think their fan base now are expecting them to be up there, um, challenging for for at least, if not first and second, challenging for sort of the third spot in the league. And, you know, let's not forget they had a Champions League final um, last year. They looked like they were soaring upwards. Obviously, they had the blip at the start of the year, and I think we're, we're all in agreement that they shouldn't have got rid of Poch as they, when they did. And let's not just look at the on-the-pitch performance. Let's look at the off-the-pitch as well. Their recruitment has been terrible this season. Undombele looks like the biggest waste of money in the Premier League at the moment. Um, I know that's a huge statement. but I, That is a huge statement. But, but I mean, honestly, I was, looking, I was looking at him play in the lead-up to Christmas, and it looked like he didn't want to be playing football. I mean, I'm... I'm overweight and slow but at least when i'm on the football field i give it my all until you know for the first for the first seven minutes until i can't and what a it. sight it is absolutely um i've got i've got less attacking and uh at the, the end end of my career i started off goal hanging when i was eight yeah, years yeah. old um and yeah. now and now i'm parking myself at the back because i don't have the legs to do it anymore but um so you're wayne rooney then well absolutely watch me banging a couple of free kicks with derby and then you'll be laughing will you? <laughs> the pompy wayne rooney um, but no, look. I mean, I just, I just don't think they've done well at all. I think getting rid of Kieran Trippier was a strange move a couple of years ago, or, or whenever he left. Obviously, 
Um, Serge Aurier's been been left in that right back slot, and he hasn't looked strong defensively whatsoever. Vertonghen's been unsettled. Eriksen's left. I mean, it's been a car crash from start to finish, and all that you can say really is they've managed to get a sixth spot and a kind of ugly sixth spot, I guess, and and they can go again in Europe next season. Um, I do think Mourinho will make them will make them better than sixth. I do think you know it's not they're going to be going down from here. I think the only way is up really. But C minus for me, and I've gone for Son as their player of the year just because I think he's the best footballer at the club. But you know, yeah, there we go. I, I, for me as an England fan, I'm I'm hoping that that Mourinho can uh, get Deli Ali playing. Because when he when he's when he's his best, he's he's fantastic, and there were a few sparks of that during the season. There's a lot of speculation. Mourinho seemed to have you know lit a fire under his backside, and he's starting to play. Um, but no, I've got to agree with you. Uh, Son Son is the most consistent. He he he's filled a, he's at times he's filled a void for Tottenham in, in that in that area, especially with Kane uh, periods where Kane's been injured, etc. He's been essential for them. I th- yeah, yeah, the thing is, I've been actually un- really underwhelmed by Son. This year, and there's been things that have really annoyed me about him as well. You know, his, his, and his. I, I used to really love watching him. I've, I, I agree in that I think he's the best footballer at the club. Uh, you know, Harry, and I include Harry Kane in in, in that statement. Um, but, you know, that, that he's got, he's now got that history of being a diver. You know, he he does have that history of being, of a of a horrible foul. You know, of Ooh, having the yeah, ability to to chop someone down and you know try to look all innocent, but it happens one too many times. But then the rest of the team have been shit, <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's not really much else to do. And Harry Kane's been injured most of the year, so um, it'll have to be Son. Yeah. <laughs> um, Watford. What do we reckon? Obviously relegated this season. I mean, we're talking about bad management, Jesus, in terms of bad management in the lead up to their to their close in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, obviously, getting rid of their manager three or four games before the end. Um, but anyway, Alex, what have you put them on? Uh, I've put them on E minus. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So so pretty pretty harsh. Again, I think for me it was it was the consistent throughout throughout the season. It was a bit of. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's arrogance. It might not be arrogance, but but there was it was consistently. Oh yeah, we're in the relegation zone, but we're Watford, so you know we'll be all right. Mm. It was it was constantly like yeah yeah. Which all we need is a string of games and we'll get out. All you know that's all we need. And then and then the four games before the end of the season, the upper management and the club have decided to get rid of Nigel Pearson, and I don't what they thought would happen as a result of that. I don't know, but mm. but they just they just like I said they just they just. Um, Kind of went out with a. Yeah. With a I mean, to be fair, caretaker manager Hayden Mullins played in an FA Cup final with a broken hand, so maybe they maybe they saw <laughs> maybe they saw a bit of resilience in him. Who knows? <laughs> I, oh, that name just doesn't fill you with confidence. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, excellent servant of Portsmouth. To be fair, over the years, so um, I'm I've got a lot of respect for him. But there we go. Okay. There we go. But, but yeah, the, I, yeah, e, e minus is what I've gone for. Yeah, I've given them an E, so not quite an E minus, but yeah, not not far off it. Um, and like like you say, in terms of how to not run a football club, they are case in point. Um, they've had more managers than I've had hot dinners uh, since they came back to the Premier League, <laughs> and you know, their last five games of the season, they won the fifth and the fourth game before the end and then they decided Pearson wasn't for them and they lost their last three it's just a really really bizarre scenario and it's a case of Pearson I I rate Pearson as a championship manager he's a great championship manager I think he's one of those um, managers as well who won't put up with any any crap and he will do a job at the bottom end of the Premier League Um, you know he showed that with Leicester for example um, even obviously he didn't last too long in that role, um, but his run, his son did probably play a part in that with what, everything that happened in the uh, in the Far East. Um, but yeah, the, but going back to what um, Alex said about Norwich, I think you can say the same about um, Watford in that no one grabbed the 
the season by the scruff of the neck. You know, usually you'd, you'd look at Troy Deeney and, and say Pearson. that is the man. And Nigel Pearson. And Nigel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nigel and they, Pearson. And they got rid well. of half of their heroes. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, Decore as well. You'd think that would be a player considering, you know, how highly sought after he is now that they've been relegated. He'd been a player that would do that. Lincoln Everton, yeah. You talk about a waste of money. And to be fair, I just saw... I just don't. I can. People keep saying to me, "He's got so much potential. I'd sign him," but he didn't do anything. Oh, I have to admit. Well, he didn't do. This is the first time. This is the first time I completely disagree with you. Honestly, I think I think Saar has been a very good footballer for Watford this year. Granted, he's quite inconsistent, but he's got he's got that he's got that kind of untapped raw talent, raw talent. that yeah. that you need you need a player to have i mean he, i don't think he's quite as 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 good quality as alan sam maximan but he's got that same sort of vibe and when you're watford and your strongest asset is is physicality and and seeing games out defensively and stuff like that or at least that's what you're trying to do you need a player like sar on the break and that's how they hurt liverpool that's how they went on a huge run uh, well, not a huge run, but a good enough run. Yeah, midway through the season, a bit of a run, let's say, midway through the season. But for me, Watford, Watford's relegation kind of came out of nowhere. I think I honestly looked at, it's almost as if the board looked at Villa and Bournemouth behind them and thought, they're not catching us. Let's just yeah. let's just think about next season. All we need is a couple of wins and we'll get that and, and let's go from there. And obviously they paid they paid the price. Um, so... Look, I think I think Ismail Assar is going to be a huge talent, and I think already he's he's a better footballer than like pretty much most of those players in the Watford dressing yeah, room. He, he needs a he needs a good manager to get him and get him focused. Yeah, agreed. And, and, and get him to tap his own tap his own talent with a bit of motivation, a bit of a bit of uh, you know um, thinking about how he can fit into a into a wider team and a wider setup. I'd love to see him under Wilder, but. I was just about to say, maybe yeah. in the in the Steel City. Uh, I I think uh, yeah, he wouldn't fit our system, mm. but if Wilder could get him to fit into a system, he'd be. I I, I think he could tap that sort of talent. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I gave him an E as well, to be fair. Um, but what were you thinking for Player of the Season? You're gonna bloody say Saar now, aren't you? No, go on. <laughs> I, I wrote I wrote Saar down. I did. I did. But I think I think um, I think I'll go with what I'm expecting. Well, what what have you put? I'll be honest. Ben, you. I assume Ben, you're saying you're saying Saar as well. Yeah, I think Esmeralda Saar has been the best attacking player for Watford this season. You wouldn't look at their defence and say that's there's anything good there. I think Ben Foster was not up to scratch at all. Craig Cathcart was okay. Um, he's maybe a name I considered at some point, but when they were as as weak and as feeble and as porous as as they were all season, I don't think you can put centre half in there. So yeah. so and yeah, I, I went with Saar. You've got to give them a shout out for being Liverpool as well. When they yeah. looked unbeatable, and and that was mostly down to Sars counter-attacking play. So yeah, but but gone well. We're 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 a pod that likes um likes speculative efforts and um <laughs> and, and other <laughs> and uh, an adventurous opinion. So go on, who, who are you putting in? Tom cleverly. <laughs> no, I uh, no, I'd, you, you know what? Watford was a team that I just couldn't think of a player that. No, fair enough would be their player of the year um mm. and look i appreciate the points around Saar, and look i do i'm not i haven't written him in, written him off as a footballer by any stretch he's, a, he's 22 you know yeah. and there were bursts of talent um but considering the fee that i believe was paid was pretty astronomical for him um, yeah it's pretty hefty I, I can't i can't remember offhand but it was 40 it was, odd million you know, i think something yeah, crazy something like that, that. um which obviously is a lot of money for a, for a club like Watford. Um, you know, there's there's, I've always got a soft spot for people like Ben Foster, um, but I think this is probably one of his weaker seasons in the Prem. Uh, he made a fair few mistakes off off the top of my head. So, yeah, I I am more than happy to uh, to pass over to you guys and and, and deliver Sar as their player of the year. Okay, good stuff. Um, go on, Will. You can start us off again with West Ham. Um, who have you gone for for their player of the year and what grade have you put them on? Oh, West Ham are another one. that I, They're such a frustrating team. I put them in the same bracket as uh, as Everton in the, in the way that, you know, they're they're very happy to be flush with their cash. Um, you know, as as is, you, you look at the money they spent on um, 
the the new strike. You look at the money they spent on Anderson in the past, um, and it just hasn't worked out. They haven't been able to find a manager that they like. You know, David Moyes has done a pretty good job, to be fair to him, yeah, he's since right. coming in to kind of stead, steady the ship. But there is only one player in that squad that I think is... I'll be honest. Yeah, I think I think he is head and shoulders above anybody else, and that's Declan Rice in terms of his quality. Um, yeah. There are other. There, I can't really think of any other player that that I would say is better than him at all in that squad. Um, I also don't think anybody else really stood out well, this Mick, year. You got to give Mikel Antonio a shout out, don't you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I yeah. did. I did write down Declan Rice, um, but I think Antonio, whilst he probably doesn't have the same quality that Rice necessarily has. I think Rice is more like to obviously have a long stint in the England team and stuff like that. I do think Antonio did do really well for West Ham and he was a large reason why they did quite well after Project Reset. For sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But it was the second half of the season. He, he showed up He showed up right at the end, didn't he? Yeah. He's had yeah. a lot of fortune in the fact that Sebastian Haller got injured because he is... Michel Antonio is a striker. There's no, there's no question about it. He's not a wing back. He's not a, he's not a right or left sided midfielder. He is a striker, and obviously, they couldn't not start Haller when he was fit. As soon as he got injured, Antonio went up front and he started banging in the goals. Looked a real menace. And now, just looking at pre-season, obviously having a bit of interest trying to draft my fantasy football team for next <laughs> year. Um, Michel Antonio started to be pushed out to the wing, or there's a lot of thought of him. Um, playing deeper because Haller's going to be the main man again, and I think, you know, I think that's a real mistake. I think he's he's a really good striker. Yeah. But there we go. Yeah, I I find it really really hard to grade West Ham because I just when when you do these gradings, you got you got to take into account where you expect these teams to be, and I just have no like what what you know what what are West you say you put West Ham in the same same bracket as Everton will, but I don't. I I see Everton as consistently you know you know. Uh, just below the top six, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe going for going, maybe going for that top six area, but generally speaking, just kind of mid-table, top ten. Yeah, I mean, in terms of frustration, like in in terms, oh, well, yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of the money they spend and what they say they say they're going to do, and then they just never do it. That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't but, think they're as good as Everton by any stretch. Yeah, I, I just think West, yeah, West Ham are a, West Ham are a more extreme version of that. Then, yeah, um, you know, they came they came sixteenth. Um, it wasn't until I think it was two games or one game before uh, the last game of the season that they that they were safe. Um, and it's it, if I asked a West Ham fan where they expect to be, they expect to be up there, you know, with a, with the likes of Everton, you know, top top seven, top top eight maybe. Um, but for anyone else, anyone who's not a West Ham fan, it's like, well, probably won't get relegated. But I don't know where they'll be. I've given them a I've given them a D um, because I think as a club. Um, they should be further from relegation than they were, but yeah, and and also I've well I, I was going to give them a C minus, but I docked off an extra half a point for the Tevez masks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's all right because we beat them. So. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, it's interesting you say half a point because I've given them a D plus, so I don't know where that lies me. Um, yeah, whether that's half a point above. Oh well, all right then. I've given whatever, taken yeah. the whole point off then. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to grade it. But yeah, I've given the D plus. I agree a hundred percent with you, Alex. I think they should be higher than where they are. I think realistically, if I if I look at just personally where I see them, I think that they are a tenth to twelfth team in the Premier League personally. Yeah. But they should have aspirations to be a hell of a lot better than that. Um, you have to see it as an a uh, disappointing season, and therefore. It's a, it's it's been a bit of a fail, hasn't it? So I've given them a D plus, and and Declan Rice is my player of the year. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Declan Rice. Yeah. What was your grade, Will? I gave them a D as well. D. Cool. Agreed with Alex. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So we're on to the last one. Quite a nice team to talk about. I like to talk about this team because they're quite exciting and um, they look like a team that, well, who who are punched above their weight but could genuinely stay there for quite a few years so we're down to wolves i'm i'm going to just start off and say what i've what i've got to say um and that's that i've put them on a b and i've given Rao jimenez the um the player of the season um gents do you think i'm 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 right with this or do you think i'm wrong what do you think yeah I, so i i actually put this is uh, irrelevant because it makes no sense compared to my other grades i gave them an a minus now if i give them an a minus i've got to give sheffield united a higher grade 
Um, so I think I, based on how I've graded the other teams, I think I agree with a B. I mean, what a, what a team to watch! What a fantastic, you know, any any football game that's on the TV. If you if you see Wolves on the lineup, you think, oh, you know, this is going to be an interesting, you know, this is going to be a fun game to watch. Doesn't matter who they're playing, um, and you can't say that for every every team in the Premier League. Um, and I think they were really unlucky this season uh, to come seventh. Um, they were definitely on the wrong side of um, VAR overall. I, I think they were the most most affected in terms of league position uh, by, oh, by VAR. Uh, yeah, so I think I think um, no VAR uh, would have seen them in in fourth or fifth. I can't remember which, but um, it's it had a big effect on their season. Um, but yeah, fantastic. And and Jimenez Jimenez has to be has to be up there. But honourable mentions go to um, Doherty uh, and Moutinho and Yotta as well. Fantastic. Mm. Okay, that's, that's interesting. I mean, the reason I've gone for Jimenez is he's just. He is that. Oh, yeah. He's that player. He's that talisman. talisman. That, yeah, yeah. They can't do without. And you see, when he's not in the team, they really, really struggle for that focal point and that and that and those goals. It's also important to mention that Wolves literally had a twelve-month year. I mean, yeah, they had time off for coronavirus, like everyone else did, but they began the season a month before because they had um, Europa League stuff to do, and then obviously they had to juggle the Premier League with lots of different competitions and everything. So. What you look at Wolves and they're a very small squad and they've just got smaller as well now losing Matt Doherty today to Spurs. Yeah. Um. So it's going to be interesting yeah. where they are next year. Um. Will, what have you? What are your thoughts surrounding Wolves? Uh, I've just gone slightly higher than you guys have in the B plus. Um. Okay. Sim- similar sentiments to what you guys have said there. They're an absolute joy to watch. Um. I think Nuno is a phenomenal manager and they will be very very lucky to keep him. Um for much longer if I'm honest if you if you read any of the the gossip coming out of that part of the world with regards to if you know whether he's sure about signing a new long-term deal um you know and if I'm him I'm thinking I've I've proved myself you know I've I've taken this championship level team to European football Mm. in two Uh, seasons two seasons running yeah yeah and you know yeah when you look at how to run a football club they are a good blueprint. You know, you think of the, the, the acquisitions they make on the football pitch are very shrewd. You know, they buy a lot from Portugal, which is not by any stretch considered a top, top league. It's a good league, but not a top league. And they buy good players that fit the system and Nuno knows them well. Um, and I actually read an article on The Athletic the other day that said that when Southampton bought Guido Carrillo from Monaco for 19 million, they'd been scouting Jimenez for three years and decided not to go for him. How depressing is that? <laughs> you got Ings, it's like, fine, mate. Yeah, you got yeah I know, but imagine having Jimenez up top with Ings. Yeah, that would yeah, be yeah. incredible. But um, but yeah, I think in terms of their player of the year, yeah, you can't look, I don't think you can look past Jimenez, but you have to give. Shouts out to Traore, who has come Traore, on yeah. leaps and bounds this year and is twice, if not five times, the player he was last season. Um, you've also got to talk about Hal Matinho, who is just that quiet presence, that calming presence in midfield. Pretty sure he played every game of the season. Not necessarily starting every game, but he certainly played every game. Um, Romain Seis had a good year as well. Yeah, he was great. Um, he was a really good, good player. Uh, and then you've also got to just look at kind of the, again, when it comes to calmness, I think that kind of goes through their whole team, but their back line as well with Bolly and Cody kind of just orchestrating everything at the back and ensuring everything's organised from a defensive point of view. Yeah. And Patricio is class. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you... Should we just name the whole team? <laughs> well, well that's, the, that's the thing about Wolves. I can't, I can't name a weakness in their, in, their, in their team. You know, every single player is very very good in that system and plays very very well for them and that's why they've they they are a classic team you know if they sure if they didn't have Jimenez would they be where they are probably not but you know for 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 the most part they are a very consistent team across the board in terms of their ability and um yeah they they are very very good to watch and I long long may it continue that they rustle some feathers amongst that that Topicolian in the, in the Premier League because um, it makes them from it makes for some exciting football that's for sure mm, definitely well we've come to the end obviously of all of our reports um, a three a three episode thriller let's say a trio um, uh, a trilogy of of pods 
Uh, and we've obviously had a real special guest uh, with, with Alex today. So thanks for coming on, Alex. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Would you consider coming back? Oh, absolutely. There absolutely. As long as we're talking about Sheffield United. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, you know I'm what? Kidding, you know what? When, when, when the Blades are, you know, 15th of October and... 19th and struggling we'll bring you on and we'll see <laughs> we'll see how they, no i don't think they'll be like oh, that. Uh, yeah I won't, I won't be able i won't be contactable <laughs> <laughs> no, i think they'll have a good season to be honest um and well this is this is another thing as well will was not happy to hear um earlier on when when i told him but um yeah we've we're doing a predictions uh podcast later on in the week all pre-recorded with uh jamie chapman who joined me so will uh all the best players need a rest every now and then so um we gave you a rest on that one yeah that's one way of putting it you prick <laughs> <laughs> i well, didn't get i didn't get consulted or anything i didn't know no, this was happening no, it, just, it just happened just you know you just get you just get you know, thrown, thrown out, thrown away with the trash that's when right. you're not wanted anymore. Just when you, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I won't be listening to that one. That's for sure. No, you, you won't be because you're lovely. And and I e- like you're Jamie. egotistical, and you only think you think Sars a terrible player. So, <laughs> um, yeah, what's wrong with that? Two facts. <laughs> I'll take it. You will. You will indeed. Um, but no, obviously, all a bit of fun at the end of the day. Uh, and Will will definitely be on the, for the following one after that. Um, any ideas, Will? Um, seeing as you come up with a lot of these 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 concepts yourself. Well, I reckon we should. Uh, I reckon we should go through and name a realistic, sensible signing for each team to elevate them to a new level. Okay, uh, and I if, like that. And how about Alex? You you can join. How about Alex joining for that one as well, so he can give us a, he can give us a shot on uh, who he thinks would take Sheffield United to the next level. And no, Lionel Messi is not going to Sheffield. Uh, so you know, think of someone else. Good stuff. Okay, yeah. So I'm still hopeful. <laughs> so let's do that. Maybe I think this is a good idea. Maybe we wait for the first game of the season to start. See see how teams perform. See what they're missing, and then we'll come in with some. Um, uh, some thoughts as to who the different clubs should be looking to sign before game week five or whenever it is that they've got they've got to do um so yeah uh, obviously follow us on uh instagram twitter and the, uh head to backfour.com for more blogs and podcasts uh the quiz will also be back at the start of the season as well so make sure you head into the page at the weekend to do to do the weekly quizzes um for now uh that is that is it from me and me and me as if it was rehearsed (laughs) beautiful guys